following message is the word of God from Abiyokuta Believers Meeting. Be blessed. Let's appreciate tonight or this evening together. Let's welcome the senior pastor of Covenant Nations, Pastor Kojo Yemade. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for this great conference. We thank you for this great city of Abelkuta. It's a historical city. And you've therefore sent forth your spirit in this conference to do a work in this city. I ask in the name of Jesus, according to that vision that you grant unto me, utterance that I will speak as your oracle, that your word will go forth in simplicity, but with accuracy and in power, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. You may all be seated. Man, you have a crowd in this place. Huh? Pastor Shola, I say you have a crowd. You have to congratulate the grace of God on your life. Amen. It's always um, a great honor to um, speak at this, at, well, to God's people and um, to speak at a conference like this. Um, this evening I want to speak on the subject of growing in the grace of God. All right, spiritual growth, which is growing in the grace of God. All right, let's welcome President of PFN, Augustine. You're most welcome, sir. Amen. Now, so how do we define spiritual growth, first of all? And I want to look at three elements in growth. We define growth as the formation of Christ within a believer. Paul said in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 19, he said, My little children, of whom I travel in birth again, until Christ be formed on the inner side of you. So the purpose of God is that his people shall come into the measure, the Bible says, of the fullness of the stature of Christ. And Paul in Galatians 4.19 said, Until Christ be fully formed on the inner side of you. It tells us in Romans chapter 8, 28 and 29, For we know that all things work together for our good, right, to them that are called according to the purpose of God. And he says for whom he foreknew he did predestinate to be conformed, that's that formation of Christ, conformed to the image of Christ. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now, 
I don't spend too much time on this, but when they say, when the scripture says his firstborn among many brethren, it's not saying Jesus is firstborn. Then after Peter got born again, he was secondborn. And then John was thirdborn. And then fourthborn. And then what born are you? You are 300 million something born. He's saying that Jesus should be firstborn as a prototype. In other words, every child of God should come to the place of firstborn status. Firstborn status means mature sons of God that can carry the inheritance of God upon the earth. So he is saying that he might be firstborn among many firstborns. So all of us take that firstborn status. That's why when the Bible says that Esau lost his birthright, it wasn't that Esau lost the right to be called Isaac's son, he lost the right of the firstborn son. And so he lost it, all right, to a muscle of meat. And he says we should not allow any root of bitterness to come on the inside. What Satan really wants to destroy is firstborn. That's why the Bible says that uh, Moses kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, lest he that touches the firstborn shall destroy them. So what he doesn't want are firstborn sons of God on this earth. Because in that case, what you will have is the manifestation of the sons of God. What you're going to have is the fullness of Christ manifested. So he wants to keep the church at that baby stage. So that the testimony to the world is a, one of a cycle of sin. In other words, they struggle, they fall short, there is no capacity. And so, let us get people into that prototype, which means that there will be many children, but they won't have that firstborn status. Are you following what I'm saying? This is why, and I must say this, the adulterated grace message was the most dangerous thing that entered this earth. Because what that message was saying in itself, even though the people don't want, didn't want to admit it publicly, was that no matter what you do, you're a child of God. Now, so what that means technically is that if you do anything, all your sins are covered, you ask God for forgiveness, you are covered, and all of that. That the difference now is that you can fall short and sin, you are covered, but if the sinner falls short and sins, He's judged. So the finished work of Jesus didn't even get to the point of transforming a person, but simply obtaining mercy for wrongdoing, which means your lifestyle doesn't change, but now, all right, what is happening is you're under mercy. That's not what that grace message is. There is a grace message, and it is the might of God at work in a man. It is the fact that what the law could not do, in that it was weakened by the flesh, God has sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to condemn sin in the flesh. That what means to execute a death blow on sin in the flesh that the righteous demands of God will be naturally fulfilled in them that walk after the spirit. In other words, when grace is at work in a person, and we're going to see it this evening, it is the might of God at work in a man. Which means that Paul said, when they saw the grace that was given to me, grace can be felt. Grace can be touched. Are you following what I'm saying here? It is the might of God. 
when grace is at work in the soul of a person, it is God who is at work in that person, both for that person to will and also to do of his good pleasure. In other words, in grace, the standard was raised, but the enablement was given. Uh, you follow what I'm saying? He said adultery under the law was physical. And grace here is if you think it. So God says, I have sent my spirit into you such that he will work on the inside of you that the concept of certain things will even come close to you. So spiritual growth is the formation of Christ within a believer. And what this means is the nature of God is now being seen in the soul of that person. Now let me explain what I'm saying. Man is a tripate being. His spirit is a spirit. He has a soul and he lives inside a body. Man will never die. All right? So eternal life is more than forever. Because everybody will live forever. You just choose where you live. Do you get what I'm saying? So to say eternal life means forever is not revelation knowledge. It's English language. It means it's a quality of life. But let me show this. When you die, that's why when the rich man in Abraham died and went to Hades and then Lazarus went to Abraham's bosom, the rich man was conscious. His spirit departed from his body, but he could still remember he had brothers. He was conscious. So when somebody will say somebody has died physically, what we are simply saying, he's still alive, he's just somewhere else. The spirit has left the body, but that person remains in existence. So your body is not you. You are a spirit being. You have a soul. Basically, let's say, consists of your mind, your will, and your emotions. You think with your mind. Your emotions is where your feelings are. Let's say feelings of likeness, kindness, love, all right, or jealousy or anger. Then what we now have is your will where you make decisions. Now, when Christ is being formed on the inside, the nature of God that resides within that person starts, being, starts getting visible in the soul of that person. In other words, the mind of that person starts taking the form of divinity. That individual will start thinking at a level that is humanly impossible. They will begin to bring forth ideas. This is why spiritual maturity, all right, is the key to this thing. They will begin to bring forth ideas. They will begin to see things. They, they, will, they will know things, all right, supernaturally. Emotionally speaking, uh, what will also happen is the love of God will be on the inside of them. So let me give this practical example here. Let's assume that somebody has an anger problem, male or female. And then they get married, and it's a real anger problem. And it's within their soul. Because they are born again Christians, but that's in their soul. Now, so what happens is, this person is nice to their spouse until there's a trigger. Once that trigger occurs, they get very angry and do things and can get very violent. After some time, the violence now is a threat to the life of the other party. This party says, I've got to separate from this person because look at my body, look at what's going on in this place, and they begin to say that. Now, 
if grace is at work, the might of God starts getting at work in the soul of that individual. Now, this party now goes to meet somebody and says, please, um, can you pray for me and pray for my marriage that my spouse should come back or that we should live together? Now, the problem is there's an anger problem. If you remove the anger problem, that marriage is healed. Do you, you agree with what I'm saying? There's no need for counseling or once the anger problem is gone, the marriage is good. So, the person comes to understand, which one we should say, what grace is about and how it works. And so, when that begins to work, like Paul said, it's the might of God at work in that person. Once this grace begins to work, the nature of God starts getting into the soul of that person. What now happens is that same thing happens which should trigger anger. This person, when grace is at work, turns around and says, you know you shouldn't have done what you did. Now, this other person is already scared. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? And then this person just turns. You know you shouldn't have done what you did. Let's go for dinner and talk about it. Huh? Now, what you are beginning to see is the grace of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? You, you can touch grace. You say what I say. This person, because of the anger problem, everybody in the office around the boss is working on eggshells. Oga, madam has come. Yeah. Eh? What is happening? And something happens. And he turns around and says, follow me into the office. You know, I used to be like this. I used to make mistakes like this. You say, sir, sit down. Do you want a cup of coffee? Tea? Ha. Are you following me now? Now you understand what I'm saying. That is grace at work. Grace transforms a person. Do you understand? Say, even if that woman or the man has separated from the person, she will hear of the news of God's grace in the soul of that person. Somebody will come and tell, Ah, your husband has changed. Are you serious? Changed, though. Seriously. He doesn't even need to go and advertise it. The grace in the soul will begin to tell itself. So when you grow spiritually, you grow in the grace of God. That is, there is a greater measure of the influence of God. It's not by power or by might, but that grace that is at work on the inside. When that grace gets into the mind of a person, and that person sits at a meeting, and begins to speak words that grace has given, they will ask in the company, from whence did you get this intelligence? It's a measure of the influence of God that is seen within you and on the outside in the things that you do. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 18 says we should glow in the grace of God and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So how do we grow in this grace? Because as we grow in this grace every day, we will increase effortlessly in the stature of Christ. Every single day, there will be a greater outward manifestation, first inward within your soul, and then outwardly. All right? When the Bible says grace is multiplied upon a person, 
that influence is multiplied within the life of that particular individual. And we have an endless, it's called the abundance of grace, all right, and the gift of righteousness. That gift came through which, what Jesus did, and then grace comes in to cause what Jesus did for us on the cross to be made manifest within his, our lives there. Now, so to understand spiritual growth, which is growing spiritually, you must understand one concept. Now, I want to share this and then how you enter into it, and I close. And the concept is the difference between your position in Christ and the condition of your life. Your position is what you have in Christ and who you are in Christ. Your condition is what you have visibly and who you appear now to be unto people. Position is who God says you are. Condition is how men describe you. So your position is that you are created in righteousness and true holiness, but your condition can be that somebody says, that person is not a very nice person, and they can be correct in describing the condition. But that's not your position. The love of Jesus is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost is your position. But your condition can be that you are walking in unforgiveness to somebody. Do you get what I'm saying? So there is position and there is what? Condition. So we don't define a Christian by condition. We define a Christian by what? Position. Are you following what I'm saying? So, let me give an example of this. Well, first of all, let me just say here. Your position is perfect because it is the work of the Father in Christ. You are not there. Your position is a product of the Father's work in Christ. Therefore, it is a perfect position because it was the work of the Father. Your condition is imperfect and should be improving every day, not by human efforts, but by the Spirit who was sent forth by Jesus to make your condition match your position. So here's what happened. You got your position by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Then God the Father says, we are sending the Spirit to make the condition of everybody's life match with their what? Position. So every day your condition should be improving, all right, to look more like your position in Christ. Do you get what I'm saying? So let me use a story here to say what I'm saying. There's a 62-year-old man, let's put it this way, who lives in a town. Now, on said position condition. And this man lives in a very poor place in town. His friend went to see him. Uh, this man is struggling to feed his family because 25 years ago, he had an accident that incapacitated him. So his wife has to go out 
and gather wood on the streets and sells wood to try to gain money or right, to feed the family. The children are out there on the streets laboring to try to get some money so that they can have an education. Listen to what I'm about to say. His friend comes to see him. What I have described, and he's sitting down in the corner of his house, depressed. Looking sad all around that what happened to my life. What I described is the condition of a man. Are you following me? Please hear what I'm about to say. The friend gives him 25,000 naira. He says, God, and starts crying. Thank you for this. You don't know how much a blessing you are. Are you following me? Then the friend turns around and goes through drawers and finds a document which is the will of his father. That's a 62-year-old man who died 35 years ago. As he opens the will to read, he discovers that the money the father left for him, this man, because the man is illiterate, he couldn't read, the money the father left for him has accumulated now and the value will be, let's say, 100 million naira. He looks. Vast farmlands were left for this man. He looks. Five strategic properties that are now being used by financial institutions is owned by this man that he doesn't know. What I described is now the position of the man. It didn't come to him by anything he did. It came to him by his father's work and his father gifted him. But the distance between the condition and the position is that he doesn't know. So, he didn't do anything. Now, this man is struggling. Please follow what I'm about to say. He's struggling to change his condition without the knowledge of who he is. Now, the man that gave him 25,000 that he was almost frustrating for, he didn't know he had 100 million and could even give that man money. Christians are running around for handouts when the Bible says you have unsearchable riches in Christ. We are queuing up on prayer lines saying to God, just do something when we have unsearchable. Paul said, this grace is given and it takes grace to preach this thing. He said, I've come to preach the unsearchable riches in Christ and to make men see what is the fellowship of this ministry. You know what it means? The wealth you have in Jesus, the time you have on this earth, you cannot change the condition of your life to reflect everything that you have in your position in Christ. You don't have the time. If you are downloading every day, those riches are unsearchable. So what did Paul pray? When he looked at the condition of the church and their position in Christ, he said, I bow my knees that God will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation 
that the eyes of your understanding might be opened up that you may know the hope of his calling and the riches of his glorious inheritance in you as saints because when you see that to make it happen the same power that raised up jesus to start working in your life to get your condition to match that position So what has the Spirit come to do? To teach you all things. To take the things of Jesus and to show them unto you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Friends can be very good friends. But if they don't have knowledge, they will be carrying you to the gate called beautiful. It's a lot of work to carry a man crippled. And put you at the gate to beg. But a person that knows stuff will say, silver and gold have I known. Do you understand what I'm saying? Friends can be assisting you, but what you really need is for your eyes to be open. So what was Jesus' prayer in Luke chapter 11 verse 2? He said, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on the earth. That's your condition as it is in your position. Now, in order to change your position, so your condition, let me share first thing. The second one, I may not go because if, if I sense that people are ready for it, I'll share it. But it may be deep. But let me say the first one. Let me read what I wrote. So, in making your condition, now you are following me. We are, we are together in this condition. Huh? In making your condition look like your position, the Spirit of God. Who was sent to do that work doesn't start by changing your circumstances. He starts by changing you. We are praying to God. That's why I said, for example, somebody is praying, my husband come back, my wife come back. The problem is inside. If that problem is solved, the wife and husband naturally will do what? Come back. This is why the Bible says a child, a, a son, as long as an heir, as long as he's a child, different not from a servant, though he be lord over all. That is, until there is that maturing, you won't get into it. And it's not a testimony to the world for us to say we serve a perfect God. And all they are saying is that even in things of life, we are better than you people. And then we say, there's positional truth. There's positional truth. There's, we will soon lose the whole world. We can't be preaching, when, now when we say to choir, I'm not talking to choir, but choir means we can't be preaching a doctrine among ourselves. Be parting ourselves, you are deep, you are deep. And the world is going. Are you following what I'm saying? Hear what the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 3.18. He says, we all with an open face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, 
are changed. He didn't say your circumstances change. He says you change. What needs to change is you. As God changes you, then say, you go and change your circumstance. Let's see, you, let's see it happen. So, it's not that God build me a big business. Look, you know, sometimes we say things. You know, when we're in school, there used to be this testimony flying around. And sometimes our testimonies create laziness. And, 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 and we, they, we breed a culture of laziness. Now, hear this. Somebody comes to testify. I'm just saying in school now. He says, I came out with the first class. I used to wake up very early. I pray for an hour. I take out my books. I read. I do all of that. Praise the Lord. Now, somebody else comes to tell a testimony. He said, let me tell you what. I didn't read. Now, this is... This happened though, I didn't read. I got to the exam, I knew no answer to the question. So I held the paper, God, I'm your child, and dropped it empty. So when the examiner saw it, now this person claims they came out with an A. Because when the examiner saw it, the examiner put two question marks. But when the person that was recording saw it, he thought it was 77. Now, when you come with that kind of testimony, everybody will say, praise the Lord. But the man that told you process. So what have you done by that testimony? You have planted a seed into people that go out there, do shoddy work, but God by his grace will make it happen. When grace works in you, the quality of work you do by the grace of God will exceed anybody on this earth. Not that you do shoddy work and by the grace of God it's sold for one nine year. Show me in the Bible anybody that God promoted that did not display what others did not display in their realm. Go to Joseph. Why did they promote him? Is it that they just liked him? Everything he touched. The Bible says when they saw, when Potiphar saw Alright, when he saw that everything he touched, he said, Come, he said, You are touching just this monitor, and is this good? Ah, he observed him. We gave you three monitors, is this good? Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, we give you the whole house. Because once you touch it, things begin to happen. When Jacob was in Laban's house, did Jacob come and say, You know, you know, ah, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. What did they say? Laban said, I have learnt by experience that since your coming, it was little. Now it has turned into a multitude. When Isaac got into that land, there was famine. Means there was no rain falling. Isaac was the first person God taught that water may not come from heaven, but you can find it in the ground. Dig deep, you will get water and pull out. Daniel that was promoted did they just say chaps we, we are children of God seed of Abraham seed of Abraham they said we have learned that you give answers to everything you dissolve doubt there is nothing which means they tested these people do you get what I'm saying here they, it's not like they tested them and found them to have ten times more understanding after a test 
The Bible doesn't say God promotion just comes from this. It says God is the judge. Do you understand what I'm saying? God judges. It isn't God just promotes. God is the judge. Read it well. He puts one down and takes another one up. Which means when it's time for promotion, God can say you, you are going down. So I'm saying let us understand how God changes us so that we can go and change the world. How does he do it? Let me just show some scriptures here. Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 15. Now, hear what God said. Behold, I will make thee. That's what God said. I will make what? You. A sharp threshing instrument having teeth. So God said, I will take you and I will turn you into a sharp instrument having teeth. He now said, and thou shalt do what? Thresh mountains. He didn't say, I will go and thresh mountains. He said, I will make you. Then you will thresh mountains. Because I never said, Matthew 4, he said, I will make you fishers of men. In other words, I will turn you in two, which means it's your lifestyle. You understand how to fish. You, you know how, like, if you follow a fisherman to go fishing, you will know you don't know how to fish now. All right? They put you in the canoe, you just say, what do we do? In other words, he's a fisherman. It's his profession. He learns it. God says, I will make you not that you just see fish and say, hey. Now, once he has made you, you know, I was a man I had great respect for. You know what he said? He said, in fact, let me just not sit down, because once you say something, politics enters into it. If you call anybody now, it's political. So let's just say there was a man. <laughs> All right? I mean, you can be preaching if you say Trump, you can spoil your message. And you know that. The anti-Trump crowd get angry. If you say Barack Obama, the anti-Barack Obama. So the best thing is just to say there was once a president. <laughs> because people won't hear principle again. It's personality. But this man had a business and he said this. They asked him on television, a success businessman. He said, you see this business? He said, if you take it away from me and take me to Ghana and give me a briefcase, I will rebuild this entire thing I built in Nigeria in the space of three years. That means he's not in bondage to the things on the outside. He is the producer of the thing. Which means you are not trying to be blessed. You are the blessing. You are the one carrying... You know, they can give you a job and you can be in bondage. I hope you know that. And then they tell you, if you don't do all these things we're saying you should do, we'll take this job away from you. And you start begging. Uh, they tell the woman, if you don't sleep with us, we'll you start begging. If you understand that, listen, I am the producer of my experience, you will tell the person, 
Sir, take the job. Two years from this day, write it down. We will meet again. This time, you will be asking me for a job. Look at me well and write it down. They will step back. You're a witch. That's what they will say. Because they won't understand. Joshua 1.8 God said, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You will meditate upon it day and night that you might observe to do. He says, Then shall you do what? Make your way prosperous. So it is not chance. It is that you know how to make it happen. If you can swim, you can swim. You are a swimmer. If they carry you from Abeokuta and take you to London, you will swim. Once God has made you, you are made. Take me away from here, put me somewhere else, I know how to do it. That's what the Spirit is trying to produce in us. That was what Jesus was saying in his ministry. When they came and they were saying, save us, save us, he said, how long will I be with you? In other words, you mean you are still asking me to do it for you? When will you be able to do it by your own self? So the Spirit of God says, we open up the book, you behold it, and then you are transformed into that image. So our position is perfect in Christ. Every believer has been placed in that position. The Christian who comes to seek his position now begins to experience the benefits in his daily work. Our condition is what we are in our Christian work, in which we develop from infancy to maturity through the exercise of faith in that positional truth that it might change and transform our condition. Now, let me just close by saying this. Christianity is not academic. Let me repeat what I'm saying. Christianity is not an academic exercise. When you learn anything as a Christian, you acquire two things. Knowledge, yes, and skill. You get knowledge through study. You get skill by practice. There are some things you will read when studying. But as you start applying those things, that's when you will understand and learn those things. Let me give the example. If, I mean, recently I was going to Abuja. And so I sat in the flight and, and some pilots from another airline were going to pick up a plane in Abuja. So they sat down. So I said, ah, you know, are you a pilot? He said, I said, pilot, it's going to pick a plane. And then he told me the new jets they had bought for that airline and they were going to fly it down. So a thought occurred to me, but I did not say it until we were about to land. All right? The reason is that the thought was, I wanted to ask him that in case of an emergency, since he wasn't trained on this particular plane, will he be able to fly? But I didn't want to say it when we took off. So I waited as we were landing and we saw the wrong way and we came back. I said, hey, I was going to ask you before your confession causes problem. All right for you. 
so fantastic. But it's just like this. Somebody comes and says, this is how to fly. Shows you. Draws a diagram. This, 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 this. this. Or a car. Let's even say car. This is the gear. This is uh, the engine. This is the history of the engine. The root word for, for cylinder. It tells you everything. I'll be honest And tells you everything. Like is that the same thing? It says, so when you see a car coming, just turn the steering. If you see a big car coming, just turn. And if it's coming with speed, you are speeding to just press the brake. It's a different thing in real time. To see a trailer coming, you know it is different. Now, you need knowledge to practice. But you don't know until you start practicing. Christianity is not academic. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews 5.13... It says they are unskillful. He uses that word. In the word of righteousness, they are babes. It says, but strong meat belongeth to them who by reason of use starts practice. So how do you learn? That's what I want to say. The area where God wants to reveal anything next to you is where you are struggling now. God uses necessity. I know faith people don't like this word of faith. And failure to show you where he wants to reveal the next eternal thing. That's why Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Come and learn. In other words, you are struggling because you don't know. Great evangelical said the soul will never imbibe truth in its living power except it requires it. There are young people here. And this is the truth. I'm, and I'm saying this. If you're a young person, you've led campus, you're a campus minister, you led first campus, let me tell you the problem of transition from campus ministry to be successful on the outside. Few people have navigated it successfully. Number one, Make sure you have a mentor on the outside whom when you listen to, you have more academic knowledge. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because he didn't quote the Greek word. But you are humble enough to know that he may not quote the Greek word. Are you following saying that? But he knows how to drive the car. Do you understand what I'm saying here? If you can't, look, I had a friend. Some of these things, you, you know, you can't say it as you, as you should say it because you don't know who is listening. All right? But I had a friend. He said to me, he said somewhere in the room, I can never sit under this man to listen. If I call the man, you won't believe it. Why? Because they were Greek and Hebrew boys. Do you get what I'm saying? So when you sit down with academic knowledge, you think you know more than somebody. Are you following what I'm saying? That's a deception. So you need that because on campus, you don't have needs like that. Look, when I went to Sirevede Miko in 1988, he had a book on management of ministry. The book was this thing. I said, sir, let me go and read. They snatched the thing from me. What? Read what? 
Because it's of no use to you. You just want to know the seven steps to management according to the Holy Spirit. So you can be sure enough. What you need is wisdom on something else that is going on in your life at that particular point in time. Do you get what I'm saying? Anywhere there's pressure is where God wants to reveal your destiny. Anywhere the bush is burning and you are not consumed is where the angel of your destiny is. If you don't kill the bear and that lion when you are young, when Goliath comes out, you will not know it is your own assignment. You'll be running in the other direction. Now, how then do you get into positional truth? I explained that somebody, that man who didn't know about his wealth was struggling. You remember that? In himself. So if you don't know positional truth, you are trying to change that thing. You are struggling. You are struggling. You find another law at work that when I will to do good, something is present. You are struggling. Who shall deliver me from this? That is the place of revelation. I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling. That's the place of revelation. Now, to get into your position, if you now kneel down, Father, give me victory over this thing. Give me victory over this thing. You have lost the battle already. Because there's no other victory to give apart from the one Jesus did. He said, in this world you'll be of tribulation, you'll have tribulation. Be of what? Good cheer. For I have what? Overcome them. If you abide in me, then my words will abide in you. So the first thing is, take your position. When you are hit by anything, go to God and say, God, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, this matter has been handled and has been dealt with. The blood covers this thing. And I have already. And then begin to worship God and bless him. Then ask him, open my eyes. If there is a warfare, it is the God of this world that is blinding the minds of people. So pray there, all right, intensely in prayer for the eyes of your understanding to be opened up. So that in the word of God, you will see the scriptures that speak to that situation. Do you get what I'm saying? And the way to get remas when you pray is read the Bible immediately after tongues. Don't wait. Don't pray in the morning and read the Bible at 6 p.m. The, the unction of the Spirit will have waned on your mind. Are you following what I'm saying? You want to get insight. Pray from 5 to 6 a.m. At 6.01, open the Bible and start reading. If you wait that thing will begin. That virtue starts diminishing. You have to read the Bible under an influence. Do you get what I'm saying? And if the Bible says, continue you being filled with the Spirit, don't be filled with wine. You know, if a person drinks alcohol, after some time, it starts going off his system. That same way when you pray and you receive, it can go off your system. Do you understand what I'm saying? So convert that thing into light. Do you get this? Then the remnants begin to come. In other words, 
God is speaking specific things to you. Because you have already been blessed with every spiritual blessing. So, the way to open the book is worship. Do you understand this? Go to Revelation. The book was closed. The elder said, weep not. For the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed to open the book. But how was the book finally sealed, removed? Those elders showed them and bowed down and started worshiping. And the Bible says they sang a new song and the seals were open. So you worship the lamb that has prevailed already over that situation. And then the scriptures that will direct you into that victory starts coming. Are you following what I'm saying? Because the spirit of God in you needs that sword. So I will close here. So as it begins to come, let me just close and say it. The Bible says we all... Okay, let me... Let, okay. It says we all, with an open face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are changed. That open face is when revelation comes. That means it has been opened. So what is now left is to behold it. Behold means you are focused with, you have an unbroken focus on that truth. Part of it is a continuous declaration of it. For the Bible tells us, let the redeemed of the Lord say what? So, whom he hath redeemed. So he has already redeemed them, but they have to do what? Say it. So the spirit of God has been given to you that you may know those things that are freely given to you of God. Which things you do what? Speak. If you are thirsty, come to him and drink. It is what you drink that is flowing out of you. Did you hear what I said? But when it starts coming out of you, it comes out as rivers. When you come to drink, it's revelation. When it comes out of your spirit, it's prophetic utterances. You speak with certainty to the mountain. Do you get what I'm saying? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this great conference. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the presence of your spirit. I ask in the name of Jesus on every single person under the sound of my voice, place an eternal seed seal on the words that they hear in this place, that the fruit of this conference shall be seen decades after. That we shall meet men in different parts of the nations of the earth. Saying, I was in Abelkuta. I was in Abelkuta. This marriage came from the Abelkuta conference. This ministry came from the Abelkuta conference. This company came from the Abelkuta conference. Let it not just be words, but works that are made manifest in the lives of people. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.